Welcome to another episode of Systematic Geekology. This is a space where we seek to create and cultivate healthy conversations between those things we geek out on and the philosophical and theological questions that often arise out of our fandoms. Like, what does it mean to be human? What makes a hero? What makes a villain? How do the stories and narratives we geek out on shape how we live in the world? We are your priests to the geeks. We aren't all ordained, but we see ourselves as mediators at the intersection of geek culture and going deeper in our faith. We don't always have to agree, but we do respect each other. And we see everyone as a beloved child of God. Everyone geeks out on something, so come geek out with us and enjoy the show. You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. After participating in a long and trying tournament, are you also worried about your internship? On top of that, do you have to study for your final exams? And are you also trying to stop a villain who licks the blood of his victims because one, ew, and two, he's killing all your colleagues? If you answered yes to these questions, um, you are probably in the midst of the My Hero Academia hero killer and the final exam arc, or for the anime people like uh, me and my co-host Pang, uh, it's it's just the latter half of season two of My Hero Academia. Um, this is Systematic Ecology. We are the priests of the geeks. And uh, I'm here, like I said, as I hinted at, with uh, Elizabeth Clyde Pang. Uh, Pang, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. I can't complain. We've been already hanging out before this episode, so I'm excited to do this episode with you. Yeah, it's true. Peng and I were on for probably about 20, 25 minutes just catching up because we haven't done an episode together in a long time. So uh, it was good. And also, you're welcome, listeners, because the chemistry here is going to be uh, dynamic. Uh, so before we dive in to uh, My Hero Academia Season 2, let's uh, we're going we're gonna to wet our whistles a bit with what we've been nerding out on. So uh, what, you, what have you been nerded out on lately? Okay. All right. I have a new romance one for you guys. It's Ooh. called it's a it's a lengthy one. It's our dating story. The experienced you and the inexperienced me. Pretty much it's like a nerd who asks out a super experienced like person and you know, they start dating and whatnot. But he finds out like all the like hype and whatnot from her. Like she says yes to everyone because she wants to find love. And so then like people think she's easy and will just try and like, you know, like date her, but find out like she's not who they thought they were and dump her and then try and find, you know, what they were looking for, you know, like a cheap ride. And so she is learning, you know, she's found someone who actually treasures her and it's so beautiful. Now, is this a show or a book? Yeah, it's or? A, no, it's a show on Crunchyroll. Um, but we're only five episodes in and it was one of the ones like we were talking a little bit. It's so hard to find something that captivates you. And so I was watching this and I was like, wow, I enjoy this. And of course, I got to wait for the new episode. And it's only going to be 12 and then I'll be sad. Dang. So you're itching for it. You're itching for it. <laughs> I think so. I just I love it's so sickening cute, you know, and then it mm -hmm. makes me just feel like a little anime schoolgirl giggling. 
man those uh man those those shows that make you feel like you're a middle school child going through like your your middle school crushes uh yeah those 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 are special right and it makes me so grateful because i remember in middle school and early high school thinking am i going to find love i hope so and then just knowing how i'm a full grown adult happily married and after 10 years so i'm like you did it you did it middle school me good job look at us here married look at us. With with great with great people, living real out people, three D people, <laughs> not two D two D people like right? Sailor Moon, which was uh, my first crush. Uh, or Inuasha, huh, love him. But yeah, uh, Inu- so I was like, man, just a little feel good anime, and then it's it's so sickening cute. I love that. And then what's it called again? Um, it's like the inexperienced me, uh, something. But the inexperienced me, uh, or dating story. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's just our dating story. I was reading the um, the title of the episode, but um, our dating the story. Ep- yeah, episode five is the inexperienced me spends a night with the experienced you. Ooh, steamy for all of our romance lovers out there and weebs. Uh, there you go. You got two you go. two birds with one stone. So, what have you been geeking out on, Nick? So, I had told in the last episode, told the host that I was reading a Tolkien biography. But on top of that, it's another Tolkien-related thing, but it's different. I had a older Tolkien scholar that I was hanging out with on the internet, and they were like, hey, have you heard of this collection of academic essays on Tolkien that came out in the 60s from the uh, Modern Language Association? And I was like, no, I haven't. And they were like, yeah, you should get it because no one ever reads it and quotes it in their scholarship. And I looked it up, and I found a copy for $1.85, Picked that bad boy up, and now I have been uh, reading uh, almost 50-year-old essays on a Tolkien scholarship and has been super, super nerdy and enjoyable. It's called The Shadows of the Imagination. So it's uh, basically a bunch of old literary guys because back in the day, people were like, Tolkien's trash. Fantasy and science fiction isn't real art. And then these guys were like, "Uh, yeah, it is. And so uh, it's cool and fun. So. Anyone wanting Sounds. to get into a Tolkien scholarship, uh, you know, Shadows of the Imagination. There you go. Sounds educational. I like it. Yeah, it's super, super educational. That's what we've been nerding out on. And now we're going to dive in to season two of My Hero Academia. Um, so let's get our main impressions of this arc, Peng. Uh, what was your reaction to your first encounter with the arc? And what about it makes it worth talking about and revisiting? So this is the one when they do their internships, right? When yeah. they go and they do their work studies. Um, so that was really fun, just kind of watching them gain real life experience and kind of getting a taste of the real hero world. So that's probably my favorite part about this whole uh, arc season, whatever it's called, because you get to see. I think my um, you get to see their personalities, but also Bakugo with best genius, like his uh, work study, like. Most hilarious thing ever. Where they basically just, just try to, to make it. make him an upstanding citizen and try to yeah, make him comb pretty much his make hair. him like yeah, like comb his hair, like act right, like because the best genius I would describe as the ultimate like preppy boy, if you will, yeah. and that is not Bakugo. So don't know how he, you know, chose his internship with that, but yeah, I was like, all right, this is hilarious. I like it. Gosh, yeah, I, I honestly forgot about the best genus part. Uh, best genus, what a what a character, dude. I mean, that guy throughout the whole series is, there's a reason why he's the number three hero. 
Um, and I love that every time when he tries to help people, he always poses or takes like a selfie or whatever. Cracks me up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I really, this was the, I think when I first discovered My Hero Academia, I think this was the season that like did it for me. Like I really enjoyed the first season. And of course you see like All Might fight like the big Nomu or whatever in the like practice arena. And it's really cool. Um, but I think that, seeing the students of class 1a like you said kind of gain that first world or the the real world experience and then actually kind of losing their childhood innocence like before it's all like oh we're kids and we're gonna be heroes this is gonna be so fun and there's a little you know uh there's a little bit of uh some of that innocence breaking with the nomu but all might comes and saves the day and uh, the kids don't really do a ton they do stuff, but not a ton. But in this one, uh, they really experience like a lot of loss and um, like nobody comes to save them in time. So they have to fight for themselves. And uh, the fight against Stain with Ida and Todoroki and uh, in Midoriya is just really cool. Um, and then the final exams when they uh, actually fight um, the teachers is really is a really cool moment to see them actually some of them actually win and learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I liked how you was talking about with like kind of losing some innocence because up until that point, besides like the the trash monster and that was Deku and Bakugo, they didn't they haven't really experienced villains at all. So right. what they what they've known of superheroes was almost what we would know today as movies. Like we would we just have the idea of saving the world and how it would feel and admiring um, these people. And so for them to like experience that, like putting into action what you've learned from a textbook, you know, with their like training and whatnot is is eye opening. I kind of remember, I mean, just to apply what you've learned in anything is so hard. Like whenever I was in ministry school, you can read how to preach all day long. But then when you get up in front of that crowd and your mind goes blank or like, you, you know, you, my legs, my, even to this day, my leg will shake a little bit, even though I don't feel nervous. It's just one of those, like, you know, one of my like mechanics and I'm like, okay, let's do this. Hope I don't mess up. <laughs> no, that's real. And somebody who also went to school for ministry for a bit, like nobody teaches you how to do pastoral care, right? It's that one thing where it's preaching is tough, like you said, and doing all that. But then when a family is like, oh, hey, our um, you know, I was a youth pastor for a bit and someone's like, oh, hey, you're, uh, this kid is like being really bad at school and we want you to come and try to speak into his life. And I'm like, I'm a 23 year old kid myself. And I mm-hmm. did not go to school to learn how to, uh, comfort a family with a bad teenager. Um, well, even then, like we've had it before. I mean, it's awful, but we've had people in our youth group commit suicide before yeah. and they don't teach you that in ministry school. And like to have that hands-on experience is, is crazy. And like, you just hope it, you never have to experience this again, you know, something so tragic. And with a situation like this, they are experiencing something so tragic. I mean, look at Ida, he didn't lose his brother, but he still has to almost mourn his brother's hero career, who was his hero, not only, you know, in a sense of the actual heroic work, but hero as the older brother. So Ida has to experience that loss and, You see how he kind of chooses vengeance and all he wants to do is, you know, get revenge on hero killer Stain, putting himself in danger as well as his classmates. 
man. So good. Yeah, Stain is like the perfect villain for this transition point just because Stain, you know, and I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves because we'll talk about him later in more in depth. But like you said, he just all the things that you thought you knew about heroes, like you said, is the commercialization and the cool movies and stuff. And then Stan's like, oh, these heroes are actually bad and everything you knew about heroes is wrong. And he's not totally incorrect, which was uh, which is pretty interesting. Uh, so this arc is jam-packed with character arcs and arc filled with arcs, if you will. Um, so, but before, again, we go through the arc, this is, we had the preamble and now this is the introduction for us. Uh, what's your favorite character art at this point in the, uh, in, in my hero academia for this, uh, okay. for this arc? So always it's going to be Todoroki always. Yeah. I can't remember who he work studied with at this time. He does. He goes with his dad. Did did he go with his dad? Cause I knew yeah. in future he does his dad. So I couldn't remember if he did his dad again. Okay. So I got to say though, because Bakugo was so funny, so funny. <laughs> Like him with the, and then especially near the end when they go back to school and his hair like kept on like wouldn't go back to being messy and it just stayed in the, um, in the type of the best genius. So funny. And then like you find out a little bit later whenever Bakugo like wants to talk about his like hero name, like he promised to run it by best genius. So of course, like there was some kind of impact and relationship for him that we don't really yes. know about, but I just always thought it was like super super sweet that Bakugo was like, I'll tell my hero name when it's ready. So he obviously respects him. And so you don't think Bakugo respecting authority, but that just shows really great character development on Bakugo. Yeah. And, you know, even with the final exam, uh, when Deku and him get to te- have get the further final exam, they have to work together to fight All Might. And Bakugo actually compromises and starts working as a team with Deku. And I think that comes from I think that comes from Best Genus teaching him how to be a gentleman. Obviously, Bakugo isn't going to be the uh, the Best Genus preppy boy uh, uh, gentleman, but yeah, I think those qualities, like you said, there's a respect there that maybe is unspoken or not as explicit. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I love Todoroki. We relate to our daddy issues, but Bakugo is a close second. Mm. So is there is there what what specifically about Todoroki uh, do you love about his his development? So I just feel like our stories are very similar, like especially with him overcoming like an overbearing father and having to be perfect and whatnot, and kind of having like a crazy mom. You know, like I feel like we just literally live the same life. And then um, him, I can't remember him too much with this arc, so that's why I'm saying Bakugo wins like just this like time yeah, but yeah. just him having keeping it cool too you know what i mean like he's had all this trauma happen but he's still kind of caring and he's still like kind of a humble dude so yeah it's true he and, and this is one where he actually we get to see him use his fire part of his quirk and he kind of like the tournament happened and deku faces him and is like it's not your your dad's quirk it's your quirk uh, and Todoroki's like shocked and doesn't know what to do. He's like pissed and happy at the same time. Um, but then Todoroki uses his fire cork in in the field, and uh, you can see that there's some growth there. Like you said, that humility and kind of like um, letting go of the overbearingness of his dad. Yeah, super cool. Um, you know, mine's mine's it's uh, it's stereotypical. I think my first one is Midoriya. 
but then I really like Ochaka's as well. She gets an honorable mention because she does it with, um, oh, what's his name? Who does like the muscle the, guy? Yeah. He's and she like learns guy. how to fight and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Ochaka is not like that. And it, it's cool to see her bring in those combat moves because she's like a rescue hero primarily, um, which is cool. But I just love, you know, Deku learns from Gran Torino how to control his powers and, you know, just classic Midoriya being, you know, the classic Shonen Jump uh, protagonist where he powers up and he saves the day and he's, you know, kind of the perfect poster child, um, especially when he works with Ida to save him from Stain. That's like my favorite throughout the whole whole arc. Um, you know, he does cool stuff when he punches uh, All Might in the face in their final exam, but I uh, really like how he saves uh, Ida and then they forgive mm-hmm. Ida later and they like Ida's like oh you don't I'm like the worst blah 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 and then Midoriya's like dude we all have, we all mess up sometimes we have dark moments it's whatever dude it's the best mm-hmm. uh, so there you go people that's our uh, that's our um, little fanboy section here okay so now we're gonna jump actually into the season so after our young heroes from UA finish their tournament, they apply for their superhero internships where they'll be able to get some field experience under the supervision of a professional hero. So our boy Deku gets connected with Gran Torina, Torina, Torino, who was the former mentor of All Might. And along with being a powerful and goofy old man, uh, he is wise and helps De- Deku master his one for all quirk. Gran Torino advises Deku to allow his power to manifest throughout his whole body instead of focusing it all on one point of his body, which proves successful. Surprise, surprise. Um, so what do you think about this piece of advice from Gran Torino as far as like instead of just focusing all the energy in that one point um, into kind of just maybe more balance throughout the whole body, um, how it affects Deku's life from here on out and uh, how it may even apply to our own lives? Yeah, so I think so often we get so tunnel vision um, on what we're doing, where we are just focused on what's in front of us. We kind of, this can even go with like relationships, uh, neglection. Like I'm so focused on my work right now and I'm so focused on this. So then the relationships around me suffer because I'm only focused on this one area in my life. So I feel that is kind of similar in a way, whereas Deku kept on breaking his arm because he would always focus one for all, all in his arms and not like kind of like he uses that egg reference trying to like warm up the whole egg um and not just letting it explode um but yeah that's i mean you can apply that to almost anything really like just don't focus on one thing look at the whole picture you can even apply it in ministry if you only care about um youth ministry and you don't care about the church as a whole then the church as a whole is going to suffer if you only care about the teenagers because worship matters kids matter the um like the elder groups matter. Yeah. No. And what you made me think of was kind of the, the Paul's, uh, the body of Christ kind of analogy where, you know, the, the eye isn't going to say to the ear, I don't need you, you know, similarly to Deku where it's like, he needs his fingers. He needs his arm. Like he, you know, and, uh, what's her face, the healer, um, recovery girl. She's like, Mm -hmm. you need to stop doing this. Um, and so when he learns how to use his whole body, you know, to a very literal sense kind of connects with that whole body of Christ thing that you were kind of uh, expressing through talking about the different ministries and church. So I think that's, that's a really awesome way to look about it 
to look at it and apply it to our own lives in that way. Um, you know, and going back to, to Deku, I think that if he didn't have this advice, I mean, it's literally like the next episode where him and Gran Torino go on the train and then there's no moves and uh, he encounters Stain. So at that point, Ida would probably be dead. Um, and so with that, uh, I can't remember his name, the native superhero, but they'd be dead. Um, and Deku would probably have another broken arm or something. So this really kind of just lays the the foundation for their encounter with Stain, their growth, that sort of thing. Um, and I guess that's just what kind of internships do is they kind of, uh, it's, it's trial by fire type of a deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so in the context of the internship, the hero killer Stain is on the loose and has failed to be stopped. One student of particular interest from class 1A who has taken up the interest is Tanya Ida, who uh, Pang kind of referred to earlier, trying to get revenge. So Ida's brother, who's a professional hero named Ingenium, was attacked by Stain. And he wasn't killed, but Stain rendered Ingenium unable to engage in hero work for the rest of his life because of the injuries he inflicted on him. And Ida, very uncharacteristically, uh, takes an internship in the city where Stain is active so that he can get revenge. Uh, this decision is not just crucial for the development of Ida as a person, but Deku as well, kind of what I was hinting at. Additionally, it significantly influences the way in which citizens in Japan view professional heroes in the series. Hi, uh, my name is TJ. I'm here to tell you about the Systematic Ecology Shop. That's where we post all of our merch. It is hosted on uh, Creator Spring. And we have a ton of really cool merch, uh, mostly clothing. We have hats, extra soft t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, and more. Our hosts wear them all the time. It's actually super comfy. Uh, We have glassware, mugs, which everybody loves a good mug. Fill out your cupboard. Get rid of some old ones, which is the part that I never do. That's why I have too many cups. Uh, We have cloth bags, posters, uh, and it's really stuff. We like to put our icons on there. We like to put quotes, uh, things we come up with. Uh, and it's cool. It's a cool way. And a lot of it is pretty subtle too, uh, to show support for one of your favorite shows. And my personal favorite is actually our SG dad cap, which I've, <laughs> I've been reluctant to buy it because now I have to wear hats at work and then I get tired of wearing hats, but it's really cool. It's really understated. It is our logo right here. And then it says systematic ecology on the back. It's great. It's a really good hat. We have a few of them floating around, uh, Check it out. And if we could all just rock the, the SG dad cap in public, I think that'd be pretty sweet. Uh, what do you think would happen if Ida did not seek out Stain? Would the heroes in society be in a better or worse state? Explain to us, Peg. Well, I mean, that's hard because at the end of the day, they did capture him. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah, yeah. Because even though the no moon thing happened and so whatnot, like, they did, they did move forward with the capture and... Stain actually acknowledged someone as being a hero other than All Might. So I feel this is very much needed, especially because like this is kind of where Stain's message has gone out now to um kind of like get other people to know like heroes are not that great. Cause yeah. if they were true heroes, they would not want the fame and the recognition. And they are only doing this for surface level um for surface level praise and so my metaphor is dun, 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 some churches are they doing it for the fame and the recognition 
because you have, like, I just heard of another pastor at a big church. I'm not going to say anything, but he just had another more, another, but like, I heard of another pastor having a moral failure. And so he had to resign from this church, very big church, very successful. Like I followed them for a very long time and very impressed with them. But it's just one of those things, like what, what happens, you know what I mean? Like, and I feel, you know, not saying all churches are bad, but I feel some churches, they get so far away from the heart of the church, kind of like maybe some heroes are getting so far away from the heart of being a hero. And so they go for butts and seats and they go for the fame and the you know recognition of the world more than saving souls um, of lost people. So it's an interesting metaphor. No, I love that. I absolutely love that. There's the mic drop from Pang, bringing the heat as always. Um, and, I, and if I was listening, I think that'd be worth it to stick it in. And you obviously need to come back <laughs> and hear other My Hero Academia episodes because we're going to have some uh, some good good stuff like that too. But I was I was kind of thinking the same thing, and more on like in, on the pastoral level where I think people go in to ministry very excited, very green. Because they're, like you said, they have that passion at the beginning of like, oh, I want to do ministry. I want to participate in evangelism. I want to serve my local church and help people and 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 you have God use me in, in, in the ways that he wants to. But then once you start getting involved, you start recognizing that being a pastor really does bring privilege and power to a certain extent. Um, and if you're not careful, that privilege and power can taint um, the ministry that you're doing. It doesn't mean it takes away all the good it's doing, right? I think everyone would say that. No one's saying that like uh, with the heroes, if they're saving people and stopping them, that's bad, but doing it for the wrong reasons definitely cheapens it and lessens the good that's being done in the world. And I think you see, I think that's why you see a lot of people leaving churches right now with with some of the statistics just because there are so many churches and pastors and i would say regular normal lay people as well who just don't embody their faith as a selfless hero but um kind of use it as a as an avenue to uh to take power and privilege to uh, kind of do what they want and uh, and gain uh, higher access in society so that's kind of kind of my bit there yes. It's crazy. It's a, it could be a slippery slope for sure. Even like, um, an example with my husband, he has been burning the, the candle at both ends lately. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't been feeling a lot satisfied with his job. Like his job is not refueling him. It's not giving him energy. And so we always feel like whenever you work in a sweet spot, like, you know, hopefully your job is more fulfilling than draining. Right. And so he's just been really, in the draining end for, I would even say like over a year now. And so like, I was like, Hey, are you good? He's like, I don't even know what my faith is at the, like, I know he still believes in like God and whatnot, like loves Jesus. But like, he even gets to the point when you get so busy working for the ministry and for the church, you forget, you know, number one, like your self relationship, you know, with Jesus, because we are the church. We don't work for the church. You know what I mean? And so even then you have to be mindful and have people around you to call you up. And so even with the um, the students in class A, that's kind of like their accountability partner. Like you see Ida 
um, being held accountable by by Deku. Like kind of like, hey, you did, you kind of strayed off a little bit, but we're good now. You're back on track. Like, let's go be heroes. Yeah, I love that. And, and I was thinking too about like what would happen if they didn't encounter Stain or if, if Ida didn't seek revenge. And I think that they would not have learned the lesson on what actually it means to be a real hero. And I don't think class 1A would have received the benefits from that um, as quickly as they have throughout the story. So maybe Stain would get captured somehow and there would have been some development, but um, you know, I think Stain really, in a wrong way, demonstrated what is wrong with like the hero parts. And I think that similar, like it connects to my own story if we're connecting it to that because I did ministry for a bit and I went to school for it and I was like felt very called and I was very disenchanted and I didn't really know what to do. I was like, am I, do I, is this the right thing? Am I a Christian? Like what's, what's happening? And you know, it was ended up being a place where I learned things about the church and what I can do. And then it led me into um, like a transformation of my calling into working with kids on an educational level. So I was a youth pastor and was called to work with youth. And, uh, you know, I think God kind of nudged me in the direction of education as opposed to professional ministry. And so I don't think I would have been as keen on that if I had not gone through kind of like the disenchantment of working like behind the scenes as a pastor and being like, ah, geez, being a pastor or a Christian isn't what it's all cut out to be. Um, mm-hmm. But then not leaving the faith altogether, but finding new ways to embody that in a way that we talked about that's more healthy um, and more authentic to the way that Christ calls us to be. Yeah. That's a good point. So good. Look at us. We're deep, dude. We're freaking we're deep. so deep. You thought you were going to get just a My Hero overview, guys, but we're going deep into, not I wouldn't call it theology, but like just like, I guess the heart of ministry would be more. Yeah. I think heart of ministry, you know, is the spiritual journey, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is why pop culture is good because it can help uh, deepen your faith. You're welcome. It really can. But here's the thing. I always say you can find Jesus anywhere. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even in uh, what's his face, the the little grape, the grape guy, grape juice guy. Yeah, no, he just needs to get saved. Yeah, <laughs> he is still needing to be worked. <laughs> he on. needs he needs to be slapped with an encounter with the Lord. Yeah, he's right now. He's still on the highway to hell. Uh, you know, yeah, Minetta, you need to get your life together. We want to see you in heaven. Okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, Minetta, going to hell jokes. You're welcome, uh, systematic You're welcome. ecology listeners. You and your sticky balls, Manettas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so we've kind of, we've talked a little about Stain, but we've we've kind of focused on the heroes because you know we care about them. But mm-hmm. Stain is the main villain in this arc. Okay, uh, but we do see the League of Villains make an appearance very briefly. They're kind of in the background. Uh, they release no moves out into the public because Stain refuses to join the League of Villains and they kind of throw a temper tantrum because Stain's like, I have a higher calling than y'all. Y'all are trash. Um, but this leads Deku to Ida and the other professional heroes to Stain, causing them to learn more about the no moves, the League of Villains, and Stain himself. Um, not a ton of, ton of physical damage is done, I would say, to some of the heroes, 
but both staying in the League of Villains strike an impactful blow through the spread of their ideals. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that there's any truth to Stain or the League of Villains' feelings towards heroes? Um, and why do you think their reach becomes so viral in the show and maybe even connected to our little ministry thing? I think they they have valid points because we'll learn a little bit about like their backstories and whatnot. But at one point or another, a lot of them were let down by a hero and they don't embody what they truly believe a hero is. And so in this scenario, I know I'm not trying to like always relate it back to the church. It's just, I just see such a perfect metaphor. I think of how people have church hurt and they completely do a 180 and they don't want anything to do with the church and they become atheists because uh, how can a good God let any of these things happen? And so I feel like this is what happened with the League of Villains. They hurt people, hurt people, you know, and they were outcasts and they wanted to find a family and they wanted to find a home. And you and I have found that in a church family and not everyone is as fortunate sometimes. And so uh, um, they found acceptance in the League of Villains. And so I always tell people I get so sad when I hear about church hurt because for me, when I was a you know confused middle school little girl, the church was the first thing I found. The, my experience with church was love and acceptance. I finally felt like I had a place I belonged and a place I can escape my you know trauma childhood pretty much, you know. And so that was my experience with the church. But if I would have found a home with a group of people who did drugs, my story would be completely different than today. And it's all about which group you align with. And so these people, they got hurt by heroes or they got hurt by people who worshiped heroes and they did a 180, just like you see people doing when they get hurt by the church. Man. Ah, so good. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of the reason why I went viral is just because psychologically, like creating tribalism just works. If you can create an us versus them mentality, it helps build your cause and a lot of people have who have experienced that hurt from heroes, right? As as Stain did, um, when others, other League of Villain villains, but even even us in the church, right? A lot of people, um, kind of the same thing, kind of similar. I, I experienced, um, you know, sex abuse as a kid, and my family fell into the arms of the church with with pastors and and church family that really cared for us, and you know, incorporated us into the fold of that of that life. And so growing up, I always had a safe space. Everyone cared for me. People loved on me. And, you know, all the other stuff was just kind of that I wrestled with, with being in church was more on like, um, just kind of growing up questions that everyone has. Like when you start thinking about like the big picture and why is there suffering and and things like that. But when it comes, but I always felt comfortable, even when I wasn't feeling like I wanted to be a, a part of the faith that I could explore that in a church community because I had only been in church communities that allowed for me to um, experience hard things and then work with me through those hard things um, with love. And some people, unfortunately, just like with heroes, you know, in the, in the show did not have that experience where the thing that was supposed to keep them safe or love on them was the very thing that hurt them. And so it causes people to uh, react very negatively to the church, um, and you and you and you kind of and it it makes sense, but I think that's also why the some some of the more anti-tribalistic 
critiques of the church um, become so popular on the internet. Yeah. So yeah, love and acceptance in a, you know, I'm not saying that is is a disregard, but I think that embracing people and their brokenness um, and we're, and letting them know that you're broken and you don't have to put on the facade of being perfect um, to mm-hmm. be with people. So, yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. If you haven't already, find a community, guys, a positive, influential community, not influential, but a positive community that has influence on you. Don't go Amen. find bunch of drugs when i even say it's the church you can, you can join a sewing club or an art club yeah it's a positive you you need people that's my disclaimer Ooh. yeah you need people i love that love it uh thankfully though the villains are stopped uh the internships end and students return to ua to complete their schooling the students of class 1a uh, learn that for their final exams they have to face one of the hero teachers from ua um, and we see just how far each student has come. Uh, these final exams are really the fulfilled promises that have been given to us throughout season two at the beginning. Um, the payoff at the end of this arc is well worth the wait, kind of like a Pang's metaphor earlier that you heard. Uh, yes. So which uh, which final exam was your favorite and why, Pang? Hmm. That's hard. I don't probably, I'm going to say Bakugos. Because like what we talked about earlier, he's just, he's so dynamic. Like he's grown so much since episode one, you know, and I'm proud of him. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same way. I love that too. Him and Deku work together. Bakugo really shows his, uh, that best genius really had an influence on him being a team player. Um, and I just love to see Deku and Bakugo kind of give All Might a run for his money. Uh, mm-hmm. But only because All Might is losing his power. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just cool. That is, I think it's the coolest final exam. I think the second mm-hmm. coolest one might be Todoroki's and, um, cause they face a racer head. Oh, who's the, who's the hero that makes the stuff from her body? She just goes by Mo or Momo. I think yeah, I that's right. What uh, she's called the lipid yeah. girl. I forgot her hero name. Yeah. I can't remember her hero name, but Todoroki and Momo. Uh, I think that is a really cool one where they work together against a racer head and you really get to see mm-hmm. uh, trust in Momo and see her strategize because her, she's kind of like the second uh, person to Midoriya as far as strategy and stuff. And uh, it's mm-hmm. cool. And a racer head's a big softy and lets them win. And uh, I love a racer head. He's he big. Really, I almost got an eraser head tattoo, but I just didn't want his tired eyes forever on my body. <laughs> just the freaking uh, streaks of, Right. Instead, I went with Kakashi. One day, race ahead, Mike, because you know I'm a teacher. So I was, I was like, ah, that would be so cute. That would be. But cute. I got, I got the sensei on my arm. The sensei on the arm. I do have. We were mm-hmm. talking. Pang and I were talking about uh, anime crushes earlier, and uh, you know, throwing a uh, throwing Pang on, on in the light here that she said uh, Goku or sorry Gohan teenage Gohan Super Saiyan mm-hmm. 2 era Gohan was one of her crushes specifically and, Daddy Gohan oh Daddy Gohan father because mm-hmm. when he had a uh, oh Goten Goten was his son first son no I think. he had the he had the daughter oh um Pan yeah yeah and so uh, but I want a Super Saiyan 2 Gohan tattoo so bad but do it. Yeah, I want it on my calf. Maybe it'll happen. I just say just do it because if you think about it too long, you won't do it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, so there you go, listeners. That's my promise. At some point, you'll hear me 
and I will yes. maybe submit pictures of my Gohan Super Saiyan 2 Gohan tattoo. So uh, before we go, Pang, is there anything else that you want to talk about? No, I think we've covered it all and then some. Yeah. I mean, not only about the season, but we really, I think we we covered a lot of uh, church area. I think you and I could probably reform the church just through uh, our exploration of My Hero Academia. Uh, yeah, I fear I fear for the future of the church if we are solely involved, but <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you know what? There's John Wesley and John Calvin. It's it's Pang. It's Elizabeth Pang Clyde and Nicholas Polk. The the two <laughs> there branches. Go. We're the right new. up there. Our name will go down in history of probably doing something very bad, <laughs> trying to do something good. Yeah, hopefully not uh, drowning people for not believing in God or something like that. No, I would I would never do that. Yeah, unless maybe it's an Mineta. eye roll. Yeah. I might give you an eye roll. Uh, eye roll. Maybe drown Manetta. Mm-hmm. We'll drown Manetta. No, he can float on those ding balls. Ah, sh- maybe we'll burn him I instead. Know. Burn him at the stake. Maybe. Yeah, we'll I see. Don't know. But the balls are fireproof. Dang. I just feel like they. Why do they come in so handy? They literally do everything. They do. They do. He like he can bounce off of them. He can trap people. He can float. So crazy. But gosh, man, what great character! Like we hate to love him. We do love to hate him. It's true. The the elusive Mineta. You can't put him in a box. Yeah, but you need that character because like you need you need someone for everyone to gang up on. True. That's Mineta. It's true. Okay, so we're going to transition to our recommendations. Uh, is your give us a give us some recommendations, Pang? I'm gonna say uh, after the the three episodes, you know, I was telling you about this before. So, Food Wars, I'm getting, I'm prepping to do an episode on that soon. So it might already be out by the time you guys hear this, listeners. But um, first three episodes are a lot of fan service, just a lot. Like I do not endorse the. I felt a little dirty watching it, so I know people are going to run to this anime. Um, but it's just so fun. As like, if you enjoy cooking whatsoever, it's so technically sound in their cooking techniques. It's a lot of fun. So if you enjoy cooking and watching the underdog win, kind of like Deku. Go to Food Wars. Go to Food Wars, y'all. Um, you know, and, uh, and and tell us what you think because we want maybe the first three episodes. Maybe you can give us your live reaction. Oh my. Dude, it's so it's so fan serviced. So like I, I was like, I don't know if I can continue watching because I watched it back in the day. You know what I mean? And like, I'm slightly more mature now than I was back in the day, just slightly. But I was like, wow. This is not how I remembered it. That's a that sounds like a lore to me. I'm lore, I, like when you said that it lured me in people because I tried to watch it back <laughs> in the day and wasn't into it. But then Pang was like, "Oh yeah, there's tentacles," and I was like, "I'm in. I'm going. I'm watching yeah. it." <laughs> <laughs> uh, my recommendation for y'all is uh, if it's it's getting around the holiday season, it's not quite Christmas yet. We still got time, but uh, I'm not a big Christmas music person, but uh, I'm a big South Park fan. And if you like South Park and you like their humor, you should check out Mr. Hankey's Christmas Classics. It's the South Park Christmas album, and uh, it is delightfully offensive and hilarious. Um, delightfully offensive. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. There's uh, there's lots of blasphemy um, and lots of South Park versions of uh, Christmas hymns. So it's very fun if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, if you're if you're okay with being zapped by God a little bit for uh, for you know being uh, uh, being being blasphemous. So, 
Uh, so yeah, so before we jump into heresy and all that sort of things, uh, I'm going to encourage you to uh, come back and see us uh, at our next episode. Uh, go to our YouTube channel at Systematic Ecology. We got a bunch of stuff there. Uh, go to our Patreon. Go to our Captivate. If you like this and you want bonus content, you subscribe there. Give us a little money. Uh, you get bonus content like the uh, bonus question for this episode that Peng and I are going to record that you are currently missing, free listeners. Uh, so give us your money so you can get good stuff. Uh, we've got <laughs> other episodes with other hosts like Christian and uh, and Josh and James and Will. If you uh, if you were disappointed in hearing me and Peng once more, um, I don't know why you would but if you're one of those few you can go and uh subscribe on spotify or apple Podcasts or overcast podbean wherever you get your podcast and you can listen to um to them but we're also on episodes and you can find us too if you if for the majority of you who absolutely adore us um so yeah and next time you want to uh hear Peng and i's hot takes on how we would uh murder Manetta. Um, we'll be here. We'll probably <laughs> be doing the next season or the arc of My Hero Academia. So until then, uh, thanks for hanging out with us. And just remember, we are all the chosen people, a geekdom of priests. Hey guys, Christian here. Have you ever wondered why you should become a patron? Well, let me help you out, because if you become a patron, what you can do is have live access to our YouTube exclusives like Comic Book Ketchup, Drinks with Teachers, Manga Mustard, and a companion series that go along with our annual theme. You can be there live, commenting with us. We really want you there. You also get access to exclusive merch. We have T-shirts, mugs, handbags, long sleeve shirts all over the place for you, for your help in helping us. Also, we have extra bonus questions for you to look at. We have four to eight times a month doing that. We have exclusive Discord channels for you, discounts at our store, access to any future D&D campaigns, and you can easily access all the patron content through our Spotify page at the top where it says exclusive content for subscribers. Also, one of the new things we're adding is voting privileges for future episode topics. We're going to be doing specific things for you, voted by the patrons. And you also get that extra satisfaction of just helping us out. And we appreciate all you do. If you love our show, you can follow the whole network in a single feed on Spotify at Anazara Ministry Podcast or the network page on Apple Podcasts. There you'll find shows like The Homely, The Whole Church Podcast, My Seminary Life, Let Nothing Move You, Dummy for Theology, The Bible After Hours, as well as mine and my husband's show, The Clies, where my husband Taylor and I go through weekly discussions in a devotional conversational method to help us all get closer to one another and God.